Father, death has no hold on me, on us, your children, those who believe today, those who follow you. Death has no hold on me now because your grace holds the ground. Once I was broken, but you loved my whole life through, God, my whole heart. Now, healed and forgiven, your grace holds us. I pray that that would radiate through every lie, through every dark place, through every hurt, through every bit of ground where the enemy has a hold, for those who believe and even those who don't in this room today. God, you would break through. This is not a man-made idea. This is divine interruption. And I pray that God, you would hold the space for every heart right now. In Jesus' name, come against any spirit that would seek to keep the ears in the room from hearing and it going from our head to our heart. God, let transformation begin today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I'm listening to that, to that passage of scripture that was just read. And could you imagine when God prepares to breathe life back into Jesus? Do you know, the Bible says a third of the angels fell. That means two-thirds were left. That means you've always, there's always two against one. And when Jesus rose, heaven had to have erupted. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm sure hell groaned. But you couldn't hear him because heaven erupted. And then God says, who, who wants to kind of go down and sit in the grave and talk to when they come in? Can you imagine? I'll do it. I'm in. Probably had the opportunity of a lifetime, of an eternity, to announce to humanity that he is risen. Ha! Oh, get ready. So I say to you this morning, he has risen. So, so yeah, it's a golf clap. Sorry, Lord. Um, and some of you missed it. You didn't realize there was some the moment there. So we'll, we'll create it again for you. It's important. Here we go. Ready, ready. He is risen. You cheered over your own. He is risen indeed. That was phenomenal. I loved it. I love it. Here's why I'm saying that. I don't, I, don't, um, I don't often enjoy things we do just because we do them. It, it drives me crazy. Um, but there's significance here, and here's why. Jesus is not just alive. We have to be careful here. He's alive. Absolutely, he is, but so are you. If you woke up breathing today, you're alive. He is risen has to mean that he was dead at one point. Are you tracking with me? And he is no longer. He was crucified for you and me. We put him on the cross. Humanity did that. And he was placed in a grave. But God rose him from the dead. He is risen. And we say he is risen indeed. He is not just alive. He is risen. And that means a lot. It changes everything. It changes the way we act and behave as followers of Jesus. It changes the way we speak to one another. It changes the way we raise our families. It changes the way we engage our community. It changes everything. If you believe it, 
if you really believe it. Now, let me offer this thought. You get a letter in the mail from a local law firm that's trusted and you recognize the law firm and you find out that someone in your family lineage that you don't even know have, has left you an inheritance of millions of dollars. Right? Amen. I'll take it. And the first thing that typically happens because of the world we live in and the culture we live in, we all say what? It's a scam. It's not even real, I promise you. And we use our skepticism, right? Right away, typically, probably not real. But listen, what we don't do, we don't not investigate it. We just don't. We got, we, is this real? We need to go investigate whether or not because the value is worth too much. Are you with me? So you're gonna go find out because how many of you would take some millions of dollars? And if you're part of the church, that'd be awesome because then it's tithe. So you should go investigate whether or not. I just lost some of you right away. You're just like, there, there the church is talking about money again. Not the point. Not the point. The point is, that's what we would do. The resurrection is no different. You, you can be skeptical about it. That's fine. But go investigate it. I'm not standing here today giving my life to Christ and, and a lot more to give, by the way. This message is just as much for me today as it is you. I, I'm struggling. But I know he's alive. I, there's proof that he's alive. Just because I'm Christian doesn't mean I can't think and reason. Just to let you know. The world thinks that we're just, we just blind, lo blind loyalty, that that's all faith is. No, 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 no. We can think for ourselves and we can reason. And we have thought and reasoned what's out there. We've investigated and we know he's alive. Why? Because it's too valuable not to. If he is alive, which our hope hangs on, because if he's not alive, then it's tragic. It's tragic. But because he is alive, it changes everything about my day, my life, everything in a way that is immeasurable by any amount of money. I'll take Jesus over millions of dollars every day. Every day. I should get to my notes. So, so Jesus in Matthew 16 is, is saying to the disciples, right? They've been with him for three years. Who do, you, who do, you, who do people say I am? And they give some responses. And, and then he says, well, who do you say I am? And this is Peter's big moment, right? And Peter says, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that's awesome, Peter. Nobody could have known that. You couldn't have known that. God must have shown you that. So that's really cool. And so you're no longer Peter. You're rocking on this rock. I will build my church. And then Jesus pivots. And this is what he says. Are you ready? He says, we have to go to Jerusalem because I am going to be turned over to the elders and the priests, the religious folk of the day, and I am going to be killed. I am going to be put to death. But listen, in three days, I will rise. Jesus predicts that. Jesus says that three or four times within the New Testament, okay? Andy Stanley says this, and I love this in his book, Irresistible. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, right, then I will listen to everything that man says. And that's what happened. That's why there were people here at 6 o'clock this morning, over 100 of them, for sunrise service. 
Right? Some of you are going, seriously, people do that? They did. That, that's proof. If you want proof of a resurrection, there it is. That's it. Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors out of New York, said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. You have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? Fair. He goes on to say, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. He is alive. He is risen because he died. And we celebrate that today. Why? <sighs> Let's get into it and we'll explain it. The very, very, very most important thing is he conquered death. He conquered death. I tell you, this is going to get real relevant really quick because we've faced a lot around death this past year. And I'm not under, I'm not making light in any way of those of our loved ones who have passed, whether that's from cancer, COVID, or anything in between. That's tragic. That's a part of the brokenness of humanity. It wasn't God's intent to begin with. But I want you to hear this. Jesus, why do we get so excited when we sing? Because it's true. He conquered death and it means something to us. Now I don't have to fear dying. Do you get that? We don't have to fear dying. We can face dying going, if it's in God's will and I am ready, I would much rather be with him than attached to this crazy, stupid world. Have you said that? Maybe not. Maybe we like this world a little too much. Or we're trying to. Or the enemy's convinced as we have. I want you to take out those little cards that were there when you walked in and I want you to write a phrase on it that I hope sticks with you the rest of today and maybe this week. I want, to, I, want, I, want, I want you to understand something. I want you to hear me. We don't believe that just because you hear a sermon, whether it's good or bad, that it changes you, just so you know. It's more than this moment right here. God is going to give you something in this moment that is going to hit your heart like only God can, and it may be different than the person sitting next to you, and when it does, we write it down. Why do we write it down? Because we need to chew on it for the next week, for the next month, for the next year. Because when we do that, that's what God uses to get from our heads to our hearts. We surround ourselves with people who love Jesus as much or more than we do, and they help us process God's truth because we need them so we don't throw it out before it's early, before it's time. Truth has to sit. And so I want to give you this truth, and I want you to sit on it. Here it is. Write this phrase, resurrection power. Resurrection power can't, cannot, however you want to say that, cannot hit something that is not dead. Resurrection power cannot hit something that is not dead. If Jesus did not die, we're not here today. But because Jesus died, we are here today celebrating not just the death, but the resurrection. I want you to get this. Jesus said to us, remember my birth. No, he never said that. We should still enjoy Christmas, but that's not what he said. He said, remember my resurrection. No, he didn't say that. But we should still enjoy Easter because it's the result. It's our hope. It all hangs on it. What did he say? He said, remember my death. Why? Because if we remember his death every time we get together, as often as we get together, he knows that as we process that, we are learning as he died, so must we. And it's really important to learn to die physically and spiritually. 
because of who God is. We have this detachment from death. Humanity does. We don't like to talk about it. I've tested this before with my daughter, not on purpose. I leaned over to her last service. I said, I'm going to talk about you. She goes, what are you going to say? I said, just wait. It's good. But every once in a while, I'll say to her, you know, you know I'm going to die someday, right? And she's like, that's morbid. Right? I'm like, no, seriously. Like, you need to enjoy me now. Right? <laughs> this happens, doesn't it? Because I'm not going to be here forever. And she's like, can we not talk about this? Right? I get it. That's, that's the, that's, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about death. And there's a lot of reasons we don't. We love to watch it. We like to fantasize about it on the shows that we watch. Let me give you an example. Zombies. Some of you still think that's a reality. Like you're preparing for the apocalypse. It's not going to happen. We'll let that all transpire and, and do something in us to pacify something, but every person is going to die. The Bible says it. And then face God. And Jesus comes and says, hey, for you who follow Jesus, I've taken the sting of death away. So now you get to say, as Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Right? And so, listen, we need to overcome our detachment from death so that we can enjoy a deeper attachment to Jesus. I need you to get this. The more we can talk about that reality that someday we won't be here. Man, when I was growing up, we sang about it all the time. It was in all the hymns. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Right? And everybody's, and I'm like, people are smiling. What's going on? This is weird. Like, I still need to get married. I still need to, I mean, I was going through the list. Why do you want to go see the king? There was, a, there was a looking forward to with excitement that we're getting out of this life, this epidermis, this flesh that has us bound, trapped. And so Jesus is saying, I, I've set you free. So to the degree that you can understand the goodness of physical death is the degree you'll learn to die spiritually too because you already are. And I need to bring life to that death. That's called resurrection. He wants to take every part of your life through the process, but, well, I'll get to it. I'm getting ahead of myself. See, there's a direct correlation between our sensitivity to death's sting and our ability to savor Jesus' promises to us. The resurrection is the promise. And in our time and place, our cultural narrative right now, if you will, where death is often banished from conversation, I don't want to talk about it, we struggle to experience the beauty and power of Jesus because we've numbed ourselves to the problem he came to solve. The problem that he came to solve is death. It's Ephesians 2.1. Death in our trespasses and sin. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's why Jesus comes to bring life to those places that are dead. I gotta read you this. We, we think this, I mean, it's Easter. Of course we're gonna talk about resurrection. Here's why. That's why it's really important today. Los Angeles Times. Why America's record godlessness is good news for the nation.
The secularization of U.S. society is continuing at a historic pace. Don't fear it. Embrace it. It will only strengthen the moral fiber of America. Bull. This is a lie from the pit of hell, and I don't care who cancels you. Start speaking up about what is true and what is right. It's not political. It's biblical. About ready to. In John 11, Jesus made resurrection a bedrock promise of the gospel. Listen to this. And he's saying this to Martha. Lazarus has just died. Martha's trying to figure it out. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, Martha. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. That's for Lazarus. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's for you. Do you believe this? He asked that question to Martha. He would be asking that to us. For, for Lazarus, even though he's dead, he's going to live. But for you who lives, you're never going to die. Yeah, death physical will hit you, but it's nothing to fear. I've dealt with it. I'm going to deal with it. See, resurrection power can't hit something that isn't dead. Listen, death awareness is our path into the liberating, life-giving truth about Jesus. So let's talk about it. Someday, we don't guarantee ourselves tomorrow. That should be in our minds. We're so numb to the fact that you could die. What are you going to do then? You gambling on the fact that this might not be true? Careful, because it is. Philippians 3, listen, he has me in death and he has me in life. And that's all I need to know. And so Paul says, I want to know Christ, yeah. To know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. What if we all started praying that? And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. See, the, Tim Keller puts it this way. I love Tim Keller, so I'm going to give you a quote, but try to hang with me here because it's a little bit long. He says, the difference between knowing Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection is the difference between knowing a person and resembling a person. It's not about relationship, but about supernatural character growth. When Paul says, I want to know him, it means I want to be with him. But when he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, it means I want to be just like him. Look at the deadness in your life. Look at the anger. How is that going to be turned into forgiveness, Tim says? You can't do it without God. Look at the insecurity. How is that going to be turned into confidence? He goes on to say, look at the self-centeredness. No, I don't want to look at that. We have to. How is that going to be turned into compassion and generosity? How? The answer is that the dead stuff gets taken over by the Spirit of God. The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. End of quote. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to be just like him. I want to die to everything of this world, everything of the flesh, everything of the enemy's work in my life so that I can be like Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a martyr for the faith, was killed by the Nazis during World War II. He said, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. 
As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death, thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so Jesus says in John chapter 12, are you ready for this? Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And here's the great plot twist for you. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Listen to me. Get this. This is really, this is really, really huge. See, in an attempt to save our life, to do what we want and follow our will, you lose it. But you didn't think you were losing it. You thought you were gaining it, but you weren't. You find yourself in greater bondage today than anybody else. But those who lose their life for the sake of Christ and salvation actually gain it for eternity. I'll take that trade. That's the resurrection. That's Jesus. He says in verse 25 and 26, my dying for your salvation is also my design for your imitation. If you want to see me, be prepared to become like me. Prepare to follow me on the road that I am going. And so he says, he who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to the life eternal. Listen, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And so you say where. I'm going to give you these three things really fast. Where are you following? You're following him to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he gets on his knees before the Father. And he says, God, if there is any other way, then take this cup. But listen to me. Not my will, but your will be done. You want to keep resurrection at bay in your life? Then live by your will and not his. You want resurrection to come? Then submit your will to his and watch what he does. He goes from Gethsemane to Calvary to the cross. We're in obedience to God's call upon his son to die for our sins. He lays down his life. Oh, he could have called 10,000 angels. But he died out of obedience. You want to know what it looks like? When you go from my will to his will, you go to the cross in obedience. And if you can't live in obedience, then you don't get to experience resurrection. And again, it's nothing we did, it's everything he did. And so we offer our life in surrender and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you call me to do, I'll do. For Jesus, it was the cross. For us, it's laying down our lives for the gospel. And lastly, he goes to the grave. You want to know what the grave is? It's faith. Jesus had to trust that the Father was who he said he was and was going to raise him from the dead. Yes, he had to spend some time there, and sometimes we do too. Depending upon the depth of the lies, the trauma of our past, there's time that has to be spent in the grave where we grieve, where God gets to heal, but we trust him in the process. That's what Jesus did. He trusted him. He went into the grave knowing that God was going to breathe life into him. Listen, I promise you, resurrection power cannot hit anything that isn't dead. And so we have to die. This is what happens when God's story has its way in your life. Resurrection power can't hit what isn't dead. How do I let God's story invade mine? 
Well, Jesus invited us to join him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And it is a process that we engage the rest of our lives. Because like you and like me, there are areas that we hold on to that God is longing for. Not because he's trying to ruin your life, but because he's trying to give you life to the full. And so what you get to hear is the real message that's being preached. That God is transforming hearts. Not this world, not your flesh, and not the devil, the enemy of our soul. But God is transforming hearts. So listen. So where have I seen God's story in my life? I feel like particularly in the last year, God has really been showing me that life with Him and relationship with Him, connection with Him, is not something that can be earned, but it's something that we are invited into. And I used to have this mindset of obligation. I used to read the Bible as a checklist of things that I had to do in order to earn God's love and approval and in order to be approved of by other people. And so um, God has really just been showing me that life with him is an invitation, that um, I am worthy of his love and relationship with him without having to work to earn that. So things like take up your cross and follow me seemed really daunting and unattainable and hard to achieve um, because I was trying to do that in my own strength. And now, since the Lord has kind of revealed this to me and softened my heart, things like take up your cross and follow me, I hear in a loving and inviting tone. And it's an invitation into a beautiful, wild, imperfect adventure with God instead of something that I have to work really hard to achieve. God has opened my eyes to the fact that each moment and each interaction is an opportunity to invite the other person, invite myself fully, and invite the Lord um, into to see what um, will happen and to see the way that we're able to be loved and to fully love other people. Um, just the idea of being invited and inviting others and inviting God. So where have I seen God's story in my life? Um, I've seen it as an invitation, an invitation that pours into every area of life, an invitation to love and to be loved, um, an invitation that is extended to me and is extended to all of us. We came to Hope Co. It'll be two years this summer, and God has done a major work in my heart since I've started coming to Hope Co. Overall, I feel like what I have found is a place to be really me. My brokenness, my messiness, my professionalism, my fun, all of me is welcome here. And I think it's so the message of Jesus that I don't have to be perfect, but I always felt like in church settings I had to hide the pain or hide the brokenness or put my polished face, to, face on. And here at Hope Co, I feel like I have so much permission to be real about who I really am and where I come from. And I am finding my purpose here in a way I never have. Um, the acceptance and the purpose 
is such a gift, and I have never felt that, and I've been a churchgoer since I was eight years old. So I am just so thankful that God led us here, and I'm so thankful for the way we're being taught that it is where we find our purpose is in our pain and in our brokenness, and that's a beautiful part of us. That is the most redemptive thing. That is why Jesus came. And when I study the Word of God and I see how broken and messy the Israelites were and the disciples were, we get to be part of them, and he still chose them, and he still chooses us. So I am just so grateful for the work God is doing through COPCO in my heart. About a year ago, when this COVID stuff started uh, before the pandemic, I attended the women's conference. And my biggest takeaway was is that we can have two differing, differing feelings at once and just hold those together, you know, the negative and the positive. And that was an absolutely new concept for me. Um, I had always been all positive or all bad just all of my life. And through that, I feel like as I step forward in, in that piece of my journey, I became more honest with myself, more honest with Jesus. Um, I became more vulnerable and messy than I had ever expected I would be in my life. And then something really amazing happened with this last uh, class that I was in. <sighs> Crybaby Cry Ray was coming on. Anyway, uh, we were asked to um, write a love letter to ourselves from Jesus. And um, you know, they prayed over us and they played, you know, beautiful music. And we were told just to write down whatever you feel like Jesus is telling you. And um, it started off with, you know, feel the warmth of my love. You know, I am enough and you are enough. And he showed me visions of how he is always with me, even in big things uh, and little things, just those daily things, just every moment. And um, and then he said to me, he says, I am your husband. You are never alone. And I knew that the, it said that in the Bible, that, you know, he is our husband. But for him to say that to me, it was so powerful. Um, in my marriage, it was abusive on many levels. And that just really, you know, him saying that was just so impactful to me. And um, since that time, um, you know, because before that, Satan would always, you know, love just to chatter with me, like, you know, you're not good enough, da 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 fears and all kinds of stuff. And since I've received that letter from Jesus, um, that chattering has stopped, but if it starts to creep in again, I just remind myself of that letter, and it just completely stops. And I feel uh, there's times now where I'll be sitting quietly, and I will feel so much more joy and peace it just kind of comes over me, and I've, it's never been that powerful to me before, and I just, I'm just real thankful for that experience. Um, the last thing that I want to share is, is that most of my life I have felt not enough, not good enough, looking at other people's lives, assuming that they were so much better than mine, and never imagining that my life could be like theirs, that I just wasn't worthy. And I just want everyone to understand that Jesus loves us so much and he knows all of our stuff. And no matter what we've done, he is still wanting to have a greater, more powerful relationship with us more and more every day. You know, but he is enough and because we have him in our lives, we are enough.
where have I seen God's story uh, move in my life? This past year has been tough. I haven't even been to church in a year. I haven't stepped foot in uh, to hear anybody speak in person. However, I have been uh, involved in what we talk about here is biblical community. And uh, in that space, being able to acknowledge and hear the Holy Spirit's voice. A lot of things manifested out of a moment in time where I had a, a pretty big fight with my wife right before, day before Thanksgiving. And uh, it was a pretty tough spot. We found ourselves really reeling and there was a lot of damage done. And so we found ourselves moving through these tough conversations. And uh, the thing that kept bringing us back was the manifestation of God's love through his truth and his love through Jesus Christ. And those weren't the direct uh, conversations that we kept having, but uh, he was with us all along. And that's, that can be kind of a weird thing to say, to acknowledge that Jesus is with us in the midst. And I thought things were going great, and, and they were. And then uh, you move into these other spaces, and I was uh, continually invited uh, by God and the Holy Spirit into something new and bigger. So, uh, like I said, I haven't been to church in a year. However, uh, I was invited to be a part of the Freedom Academy. And so, in that three-day event, I realized how frequent and how often and how many different kind of ways God is trying to get to us. After I came out of Freedom Academy, I realized there was a part of me that was still not quite able to connect. And there was a continual invitation to, uh, to find more. The crazy thing is, is, is that I've had lots of events unfold um, that I can go and I can look back on on my journey with God and with Christ. In spring of 2013, I gave my life to Christ, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. In November of 2015, I was baptized, and my life forever changed at that point. I would say that marked the moment that I entered into biblical community, and, and the community that means that I'm seeking to know God and to be known by others and, and therefore known by God. And it's only through the Spirit of Christ that this unfolds. Yet I couldn't enjoy him fully because there were still a lot of uh, places that I hadn't fully traversed with the Holy Spirit. So going through biblical community, I was part of a huddle. And in spring of 2018, I remember praying uh, in my living room and I was asking God to show me how I could help raise my son to be a child of God. And that was a pivotal moment because the small still voice told me that I was his child, that I was his son. And so the solidification of my identity happened at that moment. And these things all keep coming and spiraling out of these moments where I'm invited into something that I'm unsure of, that I'm scared of, but I keep going anyway. 
and it tends to keep being God's invitation. So when I think of God's story in my life, it always unfolds with more invitation to be part of more. And it's always in a territory where I don't know what to expect. And every time that I have said yes, he has exceeded my expectations in a way that I can't even describe in words. This is what God does, church. This is what God does when we let him into those spaces. I love, I don't know if you caught it in Lucas's story there at the end. He said something uh, to the effect of, I was not able to enjoy God fully until he had traversed those, those areas of his life that he knew that God wanted him to work through. Um, and, and these are individuals within this house, within this community, within this family. These are brothers and sisters of ours that are going on that journey. And I believe that God is deserving of praise and honor for the work that he's doing in these individuals' lives. So can we just give him a shout of honor and praise for that work today? The, uh, the thing about it is it's not just eight individuals within this house that have a story, it's every one of us. And so I think, I think the thing that I, we leave you with today um, after hearing these and knowing that we can enjoy God fully when we work through the stuff that's within our own stories is this, share it. Share it with someone that you trust. You've heard many examples of the types of relationships that bring trusting community, trusted community around people. Um, but, but we have much to be thankful for, much to be grateful for, uh, because it's God that's doing the work in these stories and not us. When we sat down with the whiteboard at the beginning of planning this Easter service, we said distinctively we did not want to find stories about the, what this church had done to change people. We wanted to find stories about how Jesus had changed people, right? because that's the only thing that leads to true everlasting transformation. And so today, I'd love for us as we go from this place to all stand to our feet, as we sing a song of gratitude and thankfulness for the work that God's done and the work that he's yet to do, because yes, he is alive, but he's also bringing us back to life. So let's put our hands together and celebrate the God that is good, the God that's for us, the God that we're invited to enjoy. Here we go.
today. Come on. Have I lost another one? And I ain't free. Come on. I ain't free. Yeah. Oh, I ain't free. Yeah. Oh, hell, I lost another one. And I ain't free. Yeah. I ain't free. Yeah. I ain't free. If it's your story, sing it out. Hell, I lost another one. And I ain't free. Yeah. I ain't free. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we get to celebrate the resurrection power that started so many years ago and has not stopped to this day and will not stop until we walk those streets of God gold with you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for being able to celebrate you and the change that you have done in our lives and the lives of men and women here at the Hope Collective. We love you, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes. Guys, go ahead and take a seat. We are so grateful that we get to share these moments together and celebrate the day that changed everything, not just as a community, whether you're joining us on campus or online, but joining with churches all over the world, a family that spans the entire globe and all history to celebrate resurrection power. Thank you for being here to celebrate today. And if this was your first time with the Hope Collective, we are so grateful that you chose to spend some of your Easter with us. We would actually like to celebrate that by doing something that we love to do here, which is just being generous. We believe that generosity is our norm, and so we just look for excuses and opportunities to be generous. Here's how you can help us out. Get out your phones and text the word HOPECO to 97000. You'll get a link back from us Follow that link, and what you'll be able to do is pick a community hope partner that we get to make a donation to to celebrate the fact that you're here today. So again, text Hope Code to 97000, click the link, follow the instructions, and we'll give a donation to one of our community hope partners. And thank you for being here. Thank you for helping us be generous. And to those of you who live like generosity is your norm and have been giving consistently to God and partnering with him, at the Hope Collective as we partner with what he's doing in our community. Thank you for your consistent and faithful giving in this season. If you'd like to give a gift today, you can do that on your way out. If you're watching online or you wanna give a gift online, you can follow the instructions on the screen behind me. But thank you for living like generosity is your norm so that we can continue to hear stories of life change 
and what God is doing in the hearts of men and women who come across this place. Real quick for you guys, we are starting a brand new message series and next week we will be resuming our regular service times, which will be nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. So 11 o'clock service, if you just stick with 11 o'clock, great. But if you come next week looking for the 9.30 service, it doesn't exist. So you're either gonna be really late or really, really early. So just stay at the 11 o'clock and you'll be good. But we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Again, happy Easter from all of us here at the Hope Collective. We love you all and thank you for spending some time with us today. Have an amazing day. We love you guys.